Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Far Out Wisdom Podcast, and I hope that everybody's having a wonderful day. I am starting to wake up, having my coffee and my green tea, and uh, enjoying the polluted air of California. But anyways, in this episode, I have JD, or Jesse Wyatt, who is going to be my... I don't have a drum roll and I hope he adds a drum roll into this because he's going to be doing the post-production to foul. So I got really tired talking to myself, guys. And uh, you can you can hear the connection that we have with each other. And I needed somebody to balance my chaos and he brings or, order into my life. But I also have another co-host that's going to be that's going to be with us actually and her name is april rose so i hope you guys really enjoyed the the threesome that we are going to be giving birth in foul um and i hope that you guys really uh enjoy the future or the revolution of foul that's going to be uh growing in the upcoming uh months or even years so we don't know and i really uh hope that you guys support my decision so i think i made a good decision so uh, if you guys uh, don't like him or or april just let me know but i i'm just gonna keep it's it's you know be, uh, having a podcast is like um having a band you gotta find your lead singer you gotta find your guitarist you can find you gotta find your bass so that's pretty much podcasting and so i chose two people that I believe would help me carry the conversation and help me grow as an individual, which I hope in return, I do the same thing, not only to them, but also you. As always, guys, stay far out. Bye. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Far Out Wisdom Podcast. And we are trying again clean feed with JD or aka Jesse. Heyo, what's going on? <laughs> this is Jesse's first podcast episode. And he is, I'm going to try him out because at the, currently I'm looking for a co host. Well, I'm looking for co host, host, host. Whatever, you know, I, I'm tired of talking to myself and I'm pretty sure you guys really enjoy those episodes because how I know this is because when you are, you have your podcast st statistics and so I see that everybody likes me talking to guests. So I decided to choose who I want and for some odd reason, JD came from the heavens out of nowhere 
for South Dakota. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it's like for South Dakota. So JD, tell you know the far out with some podcasts who you are and how you know what. First, tell us how we meet. How we met each other, by the way. Oh sure. What's up, everybody? Yeah. So I met Boone. What, in 2018, I think? Yeah. Toward the beginning of the year. And one of the IDW groups that I run on Facebook. So Intellectual Dark Web for anybody who's curious about what that is. It's very cool. So she was a member of the group for a while. We talked quite a bit and she was one of the two Cambodian ladies that that, that were a part of it. So yeah, I always thought yep. you were kind of an interesting person to, to talk to. And then after a while, you kind of made the decision to like leave Facebook groups in general, right? <laughs> Yeah, I got tired of it. I just got tired of everybody's shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. It's it's hard for me. You know, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I want to get the hell out of there too. But yeah, there, there's a lot of good people that are still in there as well. But anyway, yeah, so that's how we met. We kind of chatted here and there and, and kept in contact. Yeah, what else? So about me, I'm a, a cybersecurity engineer doing some contracting for the, for the DOD, mostly for the Navy. Also, I like to do a bunch of side projects as well. So the IDW groups online, the uh, Unity 2020 stuff that we'll, I'm sure, get into in a little bit, you know, and just various other things, whatever's interesting. So we're going to talk about a little bit about Unity. So I did a little bit of research before we even, before we even begin like the podcast, because at first I wanted to get a little bit of into Jesse, but I did not know that he involved himself with Unity 2020. So I, I did a little bit of research and a little bit of digging. So for anybody who doesn't know, Unity 2020 on their page, it states that it's a grassroots presidential campaign to restore patriotic, courageous, and capable leadership to the United States of America. That's right. And uh, excuse me. On so the, on the 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 Unity 2020 page, it states uh, not Biden and not Trump. So I'm pretty much directing this question towards you. Of course, you are not the represent re- representative of Unity 2020. However, I do want your opinion on, on this. So, do you think Trump or Biden are examples of incompetent leaders or Trump has said that <laughs> Trump ha- has been said that, and of course, we have friends who are Trump supporters, and we have friends who are Biden supporters. Yep. So Trump has been said to be patriotic, whereas with Biden is said to be the capable leader that we need. So, what do you think about that? About the right and left between the two, like Trump and Biden? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the the main focus on 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 Brett Weinstein and UDD 2020. So those three words that you mentioned, courageous, patriotic, and and capable, those are key in any sort of you know election, especially one as as big as the the, the presidential election. So would I say that any of the major candidates right now display all three of those of those qualities? Yeah, uh, probably not. <laughs> You know, and that's that's kind of the whole point. So, like, is it okay if I tell you like how how Unity works, like what what the actual function of it is? Yeah, go for it. Okay, cool. So, so the reason I like it is not because who is selected as the candidates, but it's because of how the system works. So, I'm a tech nerd, so I always like to use the the analogy of of open source. So, open source is basically something that's generally made free to the public, and it allows um, the public to actually contribute and be a part of things. Usually, talking about software, things like that. But in the in the case of Unity 2020, it's it's kind of the same thing. The whole goal is to avoid organizations like the DNC and the RNC essentially picking 
who the candidates are going to be and and you know shoving a lesser of two evils situation you know down our throats so so the way that it the way that it kind of started out is people put in their recommendations on the unity website about who who they wanted to run why they wanted to run they answered you know a bunch of questions about the candidates that they were putting up as well as answering questions about themselves in order to gather data on them so then also they they host weekly campfires is what uh, Brett Weinstein calls them. Mm-hmm. And these campfires are essentially discussions where they talk about, you know, the front runners of, of who, who people are wanting to see elected. They also talk about, you know, whatever whatever comes up, you know, in, in, in politics that day, because there's always 50 billion things to set the world on fire that come right. up every day. But then, yeah, so after these discussions, then they run through a series of uh, ranked choice voting. So uh, ranked choice voting is not something that's very common in uh, most places nowadays, but it's it's really cool how it works. So basically, instead of choosing who you want to be as president, like you might see on the ballot, Biden, Trump, and then you may see the Joe Jorgensen in, in I actually think she's on all 50 ballots now. But anyway, um, that's not how it works. Ranked choice voting is you basically pick your top 10 or your top however many and you put them in order of who you would want to see. And I believe that they went through six rounds of voting. Mm -hmm. And overall, there were several thousand people that voted and the candidates that they decided were, were interesting. They picked Tulsi Gabbard, who's on the left as the presidential candidate and Dan Crenshaw, who's a center right as the the vice presidential um, pick. Right. And in the case where this ticket were to win, then basically they would flip flop. They would switch for the next election. So it would be Dan Crenshaw running as president and Tulsi running as, as, as VP. So it's, it's really cool how the system works. It's very much an open source system. It absolutely encourages people to, to get involved. But the other major, uh, really important thing about about unity is that they're not relying on people to basically start their own campaigns and 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 uh, and run it themselves we're, we're, the, the whole goal is to draft capable patriots into these positions so dan Crenshaw and, and tulsi gabbard both are not in the running right now but the goal of unity 2020 right now is to say hey look we have all these people who decided that you were you were courageous um, patriots that are capable of running the world, you know, the free world. So let's do it. Let's right. get you on board. But right. yeah, so that's that's kind of what Unity is and how it works. There's a lot of stuff that happens in the background, you know, on the Slack channel and, and other places as well. But that's that's Unity in a nutshell. Yeah. So I'm looking at the page again. It says the plan. And of, and of course, they have Benjamin Franklin who I like personally and it says a republic if you a republic if you can keep it so if you can keep it that's yeah. right and it says right here is that do we have a plan to proclaim, reclaim our government from the false choice presented by by to us by the corrupt duopoly of the democratic and republican parties learn how unity 2020 has been designed to avoid the pitfalls of previous alternative and third party president presidential candidate campaigns and that's pretty much what JD was trying to say about the the duopoly and so do, so a lot of people that we see in the IDW and stuff like that they debate I don't know how your group is I haven't been in there because I left but some group <clears throat> excuse me some group goes a little bit to the right and some groups goes a little bit to the left when I'm talking about the IDW because mm-hmm. so when we're talking about the IDW we're talking about the intellectual dark web to people who don't know who it is so pretty much it's what it started with Brent, we- Brent Weinstein 
Or, That's er- right. Yeah. yeah. So, Brett Weinstein and, and Eric's Eric. brother has been supporting him as well, for sure. So pretty much uh, the, the brother started it. So they had everybody from, you know, Ben Shapiro and especially the superstar, our daddy, Dr. Jordan Peterson. Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was in it as well. So. And like I said, some Peterson group are a little bit to the right. Some Ben Shapiro group is pretty conservative. And so my question to you is that it seems people have the tendency to still fall in between the right and left spectrum. Do you believe that the DNC and the RNC is the same, I guess, evil, not evil, I shouldn't say that, but like the same party, but like like pretty much they're two sides of the same coin. I, I would say they're equal and opposite, right? They they they're definitely for different values for sure, but they're equally destructive and equally unproductive in so many ways. You know, I mean, if if you look at the way that things happen right now, the president or the executive branch, they'll put up whatever it is, whether it's an executive order or or a recommendation or like right. you know, as you probably saw today, Amy Barrett was was just uh, nominated. So, you know, that's going to that's going to go through and that's going to get kicked down immediately. You know, it's just it's it doesn't work. Right. So, like, you know, if if you want to bring it back to back to the unity for a second, you know, the, the whole point of having two people, one on either side, you know, is so that they can actually hash these things out so that so that compromise is actually possible. Right. So, yeah. But. I think like with today politics, they're so concerned with with me. Or, you know, my way or the highway. Yep. <laughs> and that's pretty much the politics that you see today, right? And so the, the the interesting thing is, is that finally some movement is talking about the unspoken my majority as well. So, that's right. So the unspoken majority, I'm going to break it down. It's, it's on the page of Unity 2020, which I'm going to link down below. And it's really inter- interesting because I did not know such thing existed because... I'm the type of person who got into politics like a really young age. And I felt like my vote didn't matter, if that makes sense. <clears throat> Excuse me. So pretty much they Unity 2020 broke everything down. So they said 88% uh, are progressive activists. Younger. They're usually younger. Uh, highly engaged. Secular. Uh, cosmo, cosmo. I can't pronounce that word. Cosmopolitan. There you go. Thank you so much. Angry. <laughs> I, I like how they, they wrote angry. <laughs> yeah, they, they certainly did. <laughs> and then uh, 11% are tradi- uh, traditional liberals. They're older, retired, open to compromise, rational, and con- conscious. And then 50% are passive liberals. They're happy, insecure, distrustful, and disillusioned. That sounds like me. 26% who are <laughs> politically disengaged. They're young, low income, distrustful, detached, patriotic, and conspirat- conspiratorial. I think I say that correctly. Not really sure. Anyways, 15% are moderates. And then it goes on 19% traditional conservatives and stuff like that. So we're, we're on the spectrum. Where would you be if you want to put yourself in there? Oh, God. You know, I, I definitely have my, my opinions about things. But most of the time when I'm in, engaged in something like the IDW or, or Unity 2020 or whatever political groups, I try to basically stay out of the political discussion. Uh-huh. Now, I, I fail all the time. I don't always stick to that rule, but I try to. So anyway, I would say I'm probably somewhere center right, just to the right, 
maybe in the uh, in the moderate category, I suppose, middle of the road, pessimistic. I'm not a Protestant, although that's one of the things that's listed there. I grew up as a as a Christian, though, so I definitely have some of those values for sure. Mm. What What about you? Where Where are you on this? You know, like right in between. I think it's a uh, so. <laughs> A lot of I I start to notice a little bit that I'm I'm becoming a little bit frustrated. Not a little bit. I'm I'm becoming frustrated. Period. <laughs> you know I'm pissed. <laughs> so I'm very open about my background growing on welfare. I'm very open about the things that I see, and I think that the politicians we always vote for career politicians, and absolutely I don't like. I feel like. We are losing a sense of reality, if that makes sense, because everybody's so concerned with power. And I think that the right and the left are just so concerned with gaining that foot in politics that they step on the people that they're supposed to represent. And I'm a we me and JD, we live in California. Okay, so we see the things getting destroyed around us, right? He's in San Diego. (laughs) I'm in Fresno. So totally different area in California. So we have the people in San Francisco and then we have the people in San Diego and then we have the people in the middle. So, you know, up north, south and middle. So I grew up in a very pop, you know, poor stricken area. And so... I would say that California is a great example of class warfare, right? And JD, when we were talking about San Diego, I don't know if you guys know this, but San Diego is really expensive. Very, it's very expensive. Very beautiful uh, scenery. I'm not going to lie about that. Gorgeous. But the thing is, is that it's so expensive. Like, how? What is the average rent in San Diego? So if you look up the average rent online on like the cost of living calculators and things like that, they say it's around $1,500 or so. But in the areas where you get like a one bedroom apartment for $1,500, you're not going to be in a very good area. So really, if you want an area that's relatively safe, that's okay, you know, to have to have kids and pets and things like that, you're looking to pay $2,000 or, or, you know, upwards of there. Right. But hey, so real quick, uh, remind me to come back to The Social Dilemma, the movie, because that reminds <laughs> me a lot of what you were just talking about. <laughs> you want to go that little, uh, to, to talk about that for a little bit? Before we yeah, go yeah, yeah. Uh, sure, sure, sure. So so you, you mentioned, you know, class warfare and people getting more and more divided, especially in places like California, that, that sort of thing. So I actually had a mandatory training at work the other day, which they do sometimes. And the mandatory training was to watch the movie or watch the documentary, The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Right. And, you know, it it kind of supported the way that I thought things were happening in the first place. But it did it in in a way that really, I don't know, scares the shit out of me, I guess. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, so essentially, all of these social media, you know, applications that, that we're using, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all these things, they tend to to sensationalize, they tend to divide people even more just based on, on, the, on the business plan of them. Because I'm sure everybody's heard, you know, kind of the idea that, that, that people are the product on Facebook. 
but there's there's one I can't remember the guy's name, but he's one of the 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 super genius nerds, big fat guy with with dreadlocks in the uh, in the show. He said something like, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something like, "Well, people are the product, but if you want to be more specific." people's attention is the product right right and the the customers are are the the advertisers so these things are not built for us they're built for facebook they're built for twitter they're they're built for the for the advertisers and they're using us to 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 essentially get get what they want out of things and and what ends up what ends up happening with this is we see something like you know an unarmed black man being being shot by the police or something right. like that and it, it it's it's naturally sensationalized because every time something like that happens it divides us it gets people talking it gets people on the platforms more and more you know like i'm sure that you've seen in facebook groups and things like that where the or the posts with the most comments on them you know are are the ones that are the most divisive you know so right. so you see like like the george floyd thing any any post in the idw group that was about him had hundreds of comments and we see that i get to see the facebook analytics of of, of this group and everything so we, we get to see which posts are the most engaging and it's always the ones that are the, that are the most divisive right? right so on the flip side of the coin the news organizations do the same thing their goal is not to spread the news their goal is to get the most uh, money out of advertisement to and they, they do that by getting the most people watching and they get people watching by sensationalizing things mm -hmm. and i wouldn't say it's inherently an evil thing to do but it divides us it's right. it's it's the nature of the game you know it's it's absolutely nuts to watch all this stuff unfold especially you know given the the lens of of this movie the social dilemma i definitely recommend checking it out it's it's kind of nonpartisan it doesn't take a side necessarily mm. it just kind of points out how insane people are and, and 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 how this thing really just takes over our lives like have you ever okay this is a question for you boone have you ever set your phone down and thought you heard your phone buzzing or thought you heard your phone ring and you pick it up and there's no notifications. Yeah, that happens. So that, that happens to me all the time because, I, you know, I'm, I'm constantly engaged in these online groups and things. So so it happens all the time where I think my phone buzzed or I think my phone rang. So I pick it up and there's nothing there. That that's a trained uh, response. That's that's learned behavior. That's not natural. <laughs> right we're addicted man and and we're addicted to to things that are that are inherently polarizing politically right it's a, it's a scary time i know it, it just like uh we are millennials and we grew up in a generation where we're like a little bit split between the like were your parents so you're from uh south dakota yes and i don't know if you guys know about south dakota but there's a lot of corn okay <laughs> delicious there, there's there's a, there's a lot of nothing in south dakota <laughs> or it, other than other than meth heads and, and you know and drunk people that's that's about it so, a couple so, couple of mountains here and there. <laughs> so so when you were growing up in south dakota and you came here he came here when he was 19 years old and we're going to be talking about that as well so when you were a child were your parents like very conservative did they let you like because when I when I think about Christians, were you like the hardcore Christians where you had to read the Bible every single day? Jesus, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I can't say um, like that. 
So uh, yes and no. So you'd be kind of surprised because like, where I grew up is in Rapid City, which is on uh, the the western side of South Dakota, right next to right next to the Black Hills. For reference, that's where that's where the that's where the presidents on the hill are. So it, it's kind of weird because there are a lot of of Christians out there, fundamentalist, hick type, you know, whatever. I don't want to disparage them because there's a lot of good people out there. But, yeah. but uh, at the same time, it. Rapid City specifically is so disconnected from the rest of the world physically. I, I think if I remember right, the next city of any consequential size is 300 miles from Rapid City. Wow. And Rapid City is only, I think, about 70,000, 75,000 people now. And the next biggest city is is Denver, which is 300 miles away. Uh, other than that, it's just these tiny little, tiny little areas. So you get this weird... Um, phenomenon, I think. I'm just guessing here. I, I really don't know. But you get this weird phenomenon where there are a ton of, of left-leaning people out in South Dakota as, as well. So I, I would say that Rapid City, of all places, is one of the most divided places politically that, that I've ever been, you know, and I've, I've been in the Navy or I was in the Navy for, for four years and I traveled around quite a bit doing some stuff for work as well. I didn't spend a significant amount of time, amount of times in, in all these different places, but I spent a week or two here or there in 15 or 20 different, different cities, different areas around the country. And Rapid City is truly one of the most divided places that I've seen. But so going back to your question, you asked, did I grow up reading the Bible, super Christian, all that sort of thing? So yes and no. My dad was very Christian. He still is. And his dad was a pastor. So we went to his church sometimes. So I grew up going to church. My mom, on the other hand, I, I, she would say that she believes in a higher power. But I, I, I would say it's probably not typical Christianity. She's very, very open-minded. She's one of the most empathetic and wonderful people you'd ever meet in your life. And along with that comes openness. She's also very smart about things too. So I kind of got both sides of it. Yeah. They're, they're both like right-leaning a little bit, my dad more so, and my stepdad as well. He was, he's been a huge part of my life since I was like two years old, but he's also very right-leaning. I would say that I'm less right-leaning than, than most of them. Right. But... But you're, yeah, I mean, you're not conservative, like a, what, like a Ben Shapiro type. Oh no, no, where, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very, absolutely not. Very, you, you are, you understand. It's a pretty much like a perfect person for Unity 2020. Somebody who's like right in between, who can see both side of the argument of, you know, because <laughs> that's what that's what more that we need, though. I mean. We, like you said, the, the sensationalism of the news have become so destructive to our well-being, our society. And I believe that it's demoralizing, pretty much taking everything right yes. in between of the Western foundation of the Western foundation, the civilization that the what it needs, the principles and the culture. Now, here in the United States of America, it's it's a little bit kind of it's not a little bit, but it's very diverse. So he lives in San Diego and he's around a lot of people, different races, different colors, different whatever. Right. And so in, in California, that's pretty much the culture that we see. But we're not San Francisco, though. That's for sure. Right. That, that's pfft. San Francisco is San Francisco is pretty much like the, the ground zero. And I think the other day I, I told JD, I was like, you know, did you know that critical race theory was ground zero in San Diego? And he was like, what? I, I had no idea. Oh, yeah. That's where they landed right there in, in the university. Uh huh. <laughs> Excuse me. So that's pretty much where everything started. So 
it influenced our politics. So Jesse was really so I, I call him Jesse and JD. So that's his name is Jesse. But I'm I switch in between the two. So whatever you want, you can call me. You can call me anything. <laughs> he goes, you can call me anything you want, girl. You, 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 I don't care. Whatever, whatever. And so, but anyway, so in in South Dakota, he came with his values and stuff like that. But JD is not that person who will force it onto you, and that's pretty much like a typical liberal would do right we're we're pretty open about opinions of other people we're not going to force it onto other people because we understand the constitution and freedom of speech but now yeah. in our today's the, the political sphere you are like like okay like Ruth Ginsburg and uh, for example so our opinions on abortion is partly di- different but at the same time me and JD are not going to kill each other for it but the thing that I don't like, and I'm very open about this, is that I don't like misinformation. I don't care if it's from the right or from the left. You know what I mean? And I'm seeing these memes share around, which is pretty common with politics, with the memes and stuff like that. So I totally understand. But like they they were taking things out of context of pretty much what she was saying. And when you are thinking about debates and discussions and things like that, you have to remember the content, like the, the right. context of it. You have to break everything down, what she's trying to say. And when it comes to like the Supreme Court, and stuff like that. When it comes to like laws and stuff like that, it's very complicated. And Absolutely. on on the far out with some podcasts, that's what pretty much we're gonna do. We're gonna break everything out, break break philosophy down as much as we can because that's that's some far out shit that we're gonna like talk about too. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so they were taking everything down, taking everything what she say and like really just like. I just can't believe it. Like from my right wing friends, the people who scream fake news, fake news, fake news. Right. And I'm like, you guys are pretty much spreading the same false information that I see. And yeah. really, to be honest with you, right when in November, before everything was shit with the COVID-19, I wanted to vote for Trump. And I'm open about that. I wanted to vote for Trump because I really like his his stance on communism because I'm not really a fan of communism myself. And sure, you know what I mean? <laughs> nobody nobody is, you know what I mean? Especially you. <laughs> yeah, especially me. But but the thing is though, JD, I have communist friends though that who who are open like who self-identify as yes. communists. Yeah, self-identify. Wow. Yeah, so I'm really open. So I'm like, you know, some people are really open about liking Pol Pot. You know, and I'm like, oh, you know, smoke. yeah, so I'm I, that's like like someone who's Jewish who's friends with a Nazi. <laughs> that's that's how open, that's how open minded I, I am, because I really want to learn why uh, so people support communism. I really want to know why people are, are Nazis, why people are neo-Nazis, why, why, what are, what are skinheads? What, you know, because I'm a very curious person. I believe that in the world is not so black and white. You know, what I mean, like like in today, politics is either far left or far right. So can I can I just say okay. so you you mentioned something uh you you kind of said that that I don't really evangelize as far as what what my beliefs are and yeah. you know I I've tried to reflect on that a little bit because I I think that so many people in today's world are so focused on what you should believe right right uh, rather than how you should think um, right. I, I think that's so much more important. So as much as I, do, I try not to evangelize about about the things that I believe, because they, they could be right, they could be wrong, I could be missing information, I could be too focused on 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 half of the story. But I think it's more important to to change the way that you think about things. So like coming full circle all the way back to uh, to critical critical race theory, which which I absolutely despise for so many reasons, mm-hmm. uh, as, as well as critical theory itself. 
But the, the reason why I, I hate it so much is because it changes the course of the conversation. It changes the way that you should think about things if you believe in critical race theory to instead of focusing on people's circumstances, instead of instead of focusing on the individual, it it groups people into into the category of, of race. So right. like, for example, I, I don't want to get too polarizing right off the bat. But if you if you look at, at at things like college admissions, and who's allowed and what types of things impact, you know, how right. you're going to be able to get into college, race is one of them nowadays. Whereas let's say that you've got, uh, you've got a white kid that grew up in Appalachia, you know, and his, his parents and his, his, you know, his whole family, their teeth are falling out from drinking right. Mountain Dew. And, and, he, you know, he had absolutely no opportunities in, in the, the public schools, you know, just, just a terrible circumstance. Should that person have less of a chance of getting into a good school because of his race? That's really the question. Right. It's, it's, it, I, I don't think it should be about propping up people uh, of a certain race. I think it should be about propping up people who, who deserve it, regardless of their race. So that, that's what I mean. It, 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 you, should, you should probably change the, or you should probably look more, more frequently at how you think about things rather than what you think, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mentioned to you the other day that 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 I'm close with my neighbors and I am. I love them so much. And we we have a, a lot of conversations, a lot of deep conversations, kind of like, you know, how you and I do. Yeah. And what I find is, for the most part, we disagree on almost everything politically. Yeah. We really do. But the way that we have those conversations is is open. It's empathetic. We We listen to each other. We try to understand you know, where, where each other's coming from. And that, that's, that's so much more important. It's not about shoving something down, down your throat. Like, you know, you mentioned that you and I probably disagree on, on abortion and things like that. Well, yeah. I should be, if, if I'm going to be a reasonable person in, in 2020, I should be more interested in how you came to the conclusion that you came to rather than right. what, what conclusion you came to, you know, right. I should, I should, I should ask more questions about it. Do you want to talk about that? By the way, maybe we can give an example. He's gonna, he, we're gonna, he's, we're gonna dive deep <laughs> in this one right away. <laughs> Woo! We so, can. I mean, whatever. <laughs> so with 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 the situation with abortion, so I I really talk about it because it's so it's so complicated. I know, and so so I was watching a a, a documentary in Russia somewhere, and they were talking about the polygon okay so the polygon is pretty much like an area of radiation and so a lot of the kids had like gen uh, i guess genetic mutation so uh a lot of the kids that were born in that area are abandoned uh because of the deformities wow and so the doctors were like the, the, the doctor's very passionate he was like he was he was like a dick about it about the, the, you know, like the ge genetics mutation, stuff like that, like disability. And he was like calling them monsters and things like that. So that's pretty fucked up. But that's Russia. Ooh. Is this, is this, I, I know that Chernobyl wasn't in Russia, but is this uh, the, the, it, like, the same similar. incident? Same, okay. yeah, similar. So Polygon is pretty much like where the, the Russians did nuclear testing during the Cold War. So what happened was the Russians, the Russian government did not tell the villagers or the people that that was living around there what they were doing they wanted to do an experimentation without the consent of the villagers that's fucked up right and so <laughs> what happened Very was Kevorkian yeah, of them right so what happened was a lot of these people had suffered tremendously i mean 
there were people that were like our age having no freaking teeth, man. Like it was, so, it's so damaging to wow. pretty much everything that they're doing. So the doctor who, who volunteered, not volunteers time, but he's the only one in the clinic around the area. And he said, this is why I support abortion. Now he was talking about the Spartans. The Spartans did their own version of abortion by throwing babies over the hill because if they look and <laughs> I only know about that from 300. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that's pretty much what they did. So what happened was that he said, this is why I'm pro-choice. Now, <clears throat> I'm not saying that a woman or anybody should be forced to terminate a pregnancy. I believe that under like dire circumstances where either the mother should be saved or the baby should be saved. I believe it's up to the parents to determine if it's necessary to terminate the pregnancy. Now, if a woman wants to continue on with the pregnancy, regardless of what the doctors tell her, I believe she should not be forced without her consent. That's her baby. Now, there are some instances where I hear like the New York bill or something like that, where you can terminate the baby right after birth. I'm like, what? So me, what Roe versus Wade, and I'm going to make this clear, Ruth Ginsburg did not have anything to do with Roe versus Wade. That is at correct. All. Yep. And so uh, the woman that was the face of Roe versus Wade, she never had an abortion, by the way. She kept the baby. So when it comes to, this is what I believe. That every child deserve a parent, but not every parent deserve a child. And I don't think that if a woman becomes pregnant, that's a meth head, for example. I don't think that baby should be brought into this world and suffer. Does that make sense? Because he's he or she is going to be put into the system. So, so the way the way that it seems that you're thinking about this is is almost a kind of a libertarian approach. Like, right. like you you would rather this choice be given to parents rather than rather than the government is that correct fair, yeah. yeah okay i don't think the the federal government should have a say in what 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 she or or like like when it comes to abortion what i think that's fucked up too is that the father should be involved with the decision does that make sense like like he, it like some fathers are not involved but i don't know what do you think about that that's that's a really tough one. Like so you you know Liz from from the IDW group. She she opened my mind on on this whole topic a little bit. If if you would have asked me the, the 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 question of abortion 2 3 years ago, I would have given you a very solid and and confident view uh, on 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 how I thought about it. And she pointed out some things kind of similar to, you know, what you pointed out with with the polygon in Russia. This is the first time hearing about that, by the way. So I'm right. going to have to look that up. But she pointed out similar scenarios like that. And and it you, you have to look at this situation as if it's, you know, not black and white because it never is. Right. Right. Especially with something like this. So if, you know, with the specific question about should the dad be involved without getting into too much detail about this, because I, I, I don't need to throw anybody under the bus. Let's just say that I was involved in a, in a situation where, where my, my choice was irrelevant. Right. In fact, I didn't even know. So, yeah, with that said, when, when, I, when I found that out, I was very, very upset. Right. On, on an emotional level. Uh, right. 
Hold on just one sec. Can we pause this for two seconds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So should the father be involved in that decision? That is a really, really difficult question to answer, uh, especially when, when you get into the 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 weird anomalous type you know situations that don't reflect what what happens in in, in typical abortions so i i guess i'm willing to talk about the intricacies of it but i don't know i i don't know that's that's my that's my answer is i, I don't know if the father should be involved i i think i i hope that that the father would be allowed to be involved in as many uh, of those situations as possible but i can also imagine situations where it should have nothing to do with them right right i, I mean we could go to the logical in- extreme and say okay well you know the 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 father is a rapist who's currently in jail right. um, serving a life sentence you know should he be in, involved in in that decision well yeah you know i, I think true. it's I think it's all pretty fair to say that that he he if if he lost his ability or if he lost his right to live in the free world uh, because of doing something horrible, then I don't think that his I, I don't value that guy's opinion very much. Let's, let's just, <laughs> let's just say exactly. That. And so, as you guys are hearing the conversation that me and JD are having, especially when it comes to abortion, it's so there's some things that we have to do that we don't want to do. Now, I'm not saying that everybody should go and get an abortion as a way for birth control. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, I think that's kind of disgusting. <laughs> I was like, no, don't do that. Use some protection. But what happens if, have you ever seen the photo? So a, a friend of mine, I'm not going to share with her because she's it's it, it's a, a private photo, but it's it's a funny one. She gave birth to a baby and the baby was holding her IUD. So it's like all, what? all else failed, man. So what about situations like that, though? You know what I mean? Like, what if she, the 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 couple, did everything they could to prevent a pregnancy and it, they they it failed? What then? You know what I mean? You know, like, so so I, I wanna I wanna kind of bring this around to to let's say most scenarios, right? And 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 anybody who follows the IDW is is familiar with this argument for sure. I'm sure a lot of other people are as well. But yeah. I, I would say that the vast majority of abortion scenarios, I would hope that 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 the decision is made not not to do that. Right. <laughs> I mean, really, really, I, I'm not saying that I would outlaw it. I'm not saying that 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 that's my decision. I, I don't know. I mean, really, I don't know. But let's just say I'm going to throw a number out there and this number is probably not accurate. But let's say that in 99 percent of situations, abortion is not happening when the child would come out sick or with some some major deformity right. it's not because of it's not because of rape or incest it's not because it endangers the life of the mother or the child or both right it's 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 uh, in in a huge number of situations it's it's convenience as horrible as, as that word sounds right. so what do we what do we do in your opinion what 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 do we do with those what do we do with the majority so we do with the so there's another documentary that i recommend you guys it's called the dropbox it's in south korea where this pastor he has a dropbox where a lot of young mothers will come and drop babies that unwanted babies and i hate saying unwanted babies because it's just in my brain i'm like what the you know, like, because I have a, a baby of, I had a, a child of my own and I was like, oh, that little thing. I believe situations like that, adoption should be given an option, which is, it, of course it is. I should be, mm-hmm. there should be available places where uh, a mother 
or a father should have the option to give up the baby to adoption without question. It's more safer and it puts the child. So like there was an inc- incident here in Fresno, California, where the a baby was dropped in a dumpster. And Oof. yeah. And there was another incident where uh, a baby was dropped in the middle of the road in Madera, California. And so so basically trying to prevent situations like that, because when that person or that little baby grows up, I mean, to know that you were dropped off, you know, from you you feel unwanted, it's going to do some some really deep psychological damage on of that course. on that individual. Yeah. So we are not saying that we can't prevent somebody from feeling pain. We're not saying that. But to make it more easier and not shame the individuals that's participated in the development or the creation of a child. Because we're concerned about the baby, the little baby. And as a mother myself, I would love to adopt an unwanted baby. Because to be honest with you, I don't want my own because pregnancy sucks, fam. (laughs) I'm going to tell you that right now. You're hungry all the time. You're peeing yourself. Your bladder's all destructive. All destroyed. But me, I'm willing to love any baby but you that, get to yeah. you get to discover new you know food combinations like pickles and mayonnaise and stuff, you know? exactly hot <laughs> cheetos and chocolate right <clears throat> but but it's like those options should be made available so my friend i have friends who are gay and who are lesbians right they don't have kids of their own at all so i don't know if you know this but in the philippines a lot of american men's men they go to the Philippines to have sexual intercourse with prostitutes and stuff on vacation, right? Not not for that purpose, but it happens during vacation. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just the way it is. So they have a, a, a big baby boom in the Philippines. So guess what? The mothers are in, I know how disgusting it is, are 15, 14. So guess who take care of them? Their transsexual mother. You know what I mean? Eek. Men, yeah. yeah, men who are are dressed as women or who transition to women take care of these unwanted babies. So we have to like really, really think about when, like with abortion, like us, you know, to the right, they're saying, oh, abortion is wrong completely. Don't do it. And then the people on the left, it's my body, my choice. But we have to think about the consequences of both of these parties and their actions. That's right. You know yep. what I mean? So yep. you have the people right in the middle. Like us, I mean, I can't love any unwanted baby in the world, and as much as I will love to, I can't. There's so much an individual can do. So I just linked JD the documentary talking about the polygon, which I'm gonna link you guys as well down below. These unwanted babies are dropped off. Like I can't take care of them. You know what I mean? Like even Agent Orange. So Agent Orange is a chemical that we use. The United States of America used on the Vietnam War, and it did complete damage to generation to come. Yep. There are babies that are born with two, you know, two thumbs, two heads, two, you know, you know, another body connected with them. And they get dropped off. Nobody wants them. So what do we do with these unwanted human beings? You know yeah, what I mean? the, 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 the other thing you got to really think about, too, when you're having these conversations, especially if you're a person of, of any influence, because what you, you have, what, 10 million followers now, Boone, I think, something like that. <laughs> Um, I wish <laughs> 20 million just just a, like a, a little more than Joe Rogan I think <laughs> I wish. no but 
but I, I don't know. I think it's also important to to separate your feelings about these scenarios from or the way that you think and feel about these scenarios with with what you put into uh, legislation. I think that both the right and the left have a problem of, of doing this. You know, they have very, you know, specific and, 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 and extreme, I don't want to say extreme, but they, ha they have, they have thoughts about what they would like to see about, you know, polarizing topics like abortion. Right. Um, and they want to write that into law. And I, I would urge people be very, very cautious about what you want to see uh, in, in law. Like mm -hmm. it's totally okay to have, you know, extreme positions, extreme views on things. It's okay to feel them deeply and to and to even, you know, talk to other people and try to convince other people. But writing something into law is dangerous. There's always a poison pill. There's always, you know, some underlying meaning. There's always some politics that happens with writing this stuff into law. So be careful when you try to do that for, for the right and the left. You can't ban them all together. You can't, <laughs> yeah. you can't just let people do whatever the hell they want with, with absolutely no consequences. Just like you said, Boone, you, you have to look at what are the real world consequences of, of, of these scenarios. So, right. Yeah, I'm not I'm not as well versed on this, I don't think as you are. I'm going to have to check out these these documentaries that you're that you're bringing up. This is this is good. I love watching do documentaries. So, I have a rule in my life that I watch one documentary a day. And the reason why I one do documentary a day? One documentary a day. So, I recommend wow. I recommend you guys. So, this podcast is going by 45 minutes. It only takes 45 minutes of your time to watch a documentary. The reason why I do this, JD, is the fact that it keeps me grounded. It keeps me controlled. You know what I mean? Like sure. with with the the whole the whole abortion debate, I've always been a person who's neutral. Um, sometimes I'm pro life, sometimes I'm pro choice, but I'm right in the middle of the thing of, of in between these two because I totally understand where I empathize with people, and I have friends who were abandoned as babies. My doctor actually was abandoned as a baby and he became a successful physician, an OBGYN, because of the fact that he, his mother gave him up for adoption. That's what I'm talking about. We need oh, to, him. yeah, we need to do something to prevent as not, I'm not prevent suffering. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that the way that human beings treat each other. And I'm seeing this and I'm watching the world and how people are, especially during this political time. I, I, I honestly see that. I, I totally understand why people are shitty to each other. But history has taught us that that violence has done absolutely nothing but destruction that brought destruction, almost a nuclear war that nuked almost the both everybody for what? For ego? Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? For ego? For what? So this is you where. Know, <clears throat> go ahead. So, so Brett Weinstein, going back to him, he had a really interesting quote about about that. And I'll, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something like, "If if the Ten Commandments, if the Ten Commandments were written in 2020, the number one um, rule on his list would be, "Thou shalt not enrich uranium." <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, yeah. seriously, it's a it's a it's a valid point because. You know, in the U.S. alone, we have more nukes. We we could we could absolutely devastate the the, the face of the earth. You know, ten times over. <laughs> it's, right. it's crazy. Right. It's crazy. And it's and that's pretty much what happened with these is experimentation with everything that's going on in the world. So 
I think Jean-Paul Sartre, I have respect for him, even though he was a communist, but I have respect for him. And he said this, hell is other people, right? Of course, it could be used in a very narcissistic way. But what he was trying to say is that we always, the suffering that is done to other people, it's a cycle, of, it's, it, to me, it's like a cycle of suffering. You know what I mean? Like this whole thing with, you know, talking about abortion, talking about, you know, the, the right and left spectrum and stuff like that on your opinion of it. It's that it's it's something that somebody needs to come in between the two and say, both of you, fuck off. You know, <laughs> that's what needs to happen. Somebody needs to come in between and say, it's enough. Right. Okay, I volunteer. I'll, I'll tell the whole <laughs> world to fuck off. <laughs> You and, fuck off, you fuck off, everybody fuck off. It's a, it's, it's, we need a lot of judges, right? We don't need incompetence. Yeah. We're tired yeah. of incompetence. Yeah. It's it's kind of funny because, you know, I was I was looking at, uh, I, 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 it, again, if you asked me two years ago what my thoughts were on libertarianism, I would have told you that I was a libertarian. And that has very recently changed. The reason I, I, I would say that I'm not a libertarian anymore is because of what that word means now. What it means. And well, so I'm a part of a, a bunch of libertarian groups. I'm a part of groups and, and, and stuff uh, on Facebook and 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 whatever on both sides of the spectrum and everywhere in between you know green party libertarian party left right center everything and what i'm seeing with the libertarian party nowadays is i'll say something like i don't think that surface to air missiles should be available for overnight delivery on amazon <laughs> and yeah. somehow that is a controversial statement right wow <laughs> really like, th yes it's crazy you know they're they 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 go and they'll send a a message to to Joe Jorgensen who's currently the front runner for the Libertarian Party. Yeah. And they'll they'll ask questions like that like hey should I be allowed to have a, a a Sherman tank? And she'll respond back with you should be allowed to have the same weapons as as the government does and so on and so forth. Right. And then they they post that on the page or on their own personal, you know, profiles as like a badge of honor like hey look at me I'm so libertarian I think that <laughs> I think that you know when you turn 18 years old you should be issued a you know a transcontinental nuclear weapon like I mean Jesus you guys <laughs> like calm down like <laughs> you know and, and, and I, I don't know I, I still believe you know kind of in general what what the libertarian approach is but the, but pick aside any side there should always be a line somewhere right mm. always and it's like you know the on the left it's it's give no quarter you know on the right it's it's even nowadays it's it other than you know the like gay marriage and things like that other than that it's it's still very crazy uh, <laughs> opinions on things and right. they, they're just they're just all out i don't know i kind of lost track of where i was going with that but <laughs> at, at the end of the day there needs to be a line somewhere always yeah and i think i think that's where you were getting at with with the john paul Sartre quote right right it's just like everybody is just like in between yeah where not all things are as easy as we make it to be because there comes the philosophy that's right in the middle in between. So have you ever heard of propertarianism? Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> so I'm gonna, oh, my Lord. So, so check this out. So I'm, I, I, I came across propertarianism because somebody on my friends list had this swan. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? What is this? 
So I guess I guess proprietarianism is more like the is it like the the French version of libertarianism or am I wrong? The proprietarian or proprietarianism is is the it, it, it's akin to the far left and the far right. It's mm. it's the absolute extreme libertarian approach. But the the other thing you got to consider is is despite what you read about these different political philosophies, you also have to keep in mind what the people who follow those believe. You know, because every word in, in the English language is, is, you know, it has some additional meaning other than the dictionary meaning. So so the reason I had that reaction to propertarianism is because there was a whole bunch of, quote unquote, propertarianists or whatever, propertarians or whatever you call them, that infiltrated the, the IDW group. And they were spreading absolute racist propaganda. And, and hearing the word racist from somebody who's center right hopefully means something more, <laughs> more than more than the term racist normally does. Yeah. But but they were 100% for segregation you know just as as the far left is nowadays ironically it's it's right. the, have you heard of the the horseshoe theory by the way no go ahead so horseshoe theory is is kind of the idea that the far the farther into the uh, political extremes you get the closer they become in ideology right. so that's why that's why nazism and and communism when when you go far enough are almost exactly the same thing in a lot of ways not in every way i'll probably somebody'll probably tell me no you're wrong on that but you know at the end of the day that's 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 what happens but yeah propertarians from 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 my experience with them are something to stay far far <laughs> away from so i did a Jamie and i looked it up and it says propertarianism is a political philosophy that reduces all questions of ethics to the right to own property. On property rights, it advocates private property based on locking in sticky property norms. I never heard that before. Where an owner keeps his property more or less until he consents to gift or sell it, rejecting the lock-in provisio. And it says, and it continues yeah. on, closely related to and overlapping with right libertarianism it is often accompanied with the idea that state monopoly sh law should be replaced by market generated law centered on mm -hmm. con contractual relationship proprietarian ideals are more commonly cited to advocate for an anarcho-capitalist or monarchist society with governance system limited to enforcing contracts and private property Yep. So, so that all sounds pretty good on the surface, right? Like yeah. it sounds like something you could get into, but in the very first sentence, it used one word that I have such a huge problem with. Propertarianism is a political philosophy that reduces all questions of ethics to the right to own property. Mm -hmm. The word all is, is such a, a problematic word in, the, in that sentence. That's very scary. So, like, what do you mean? property define property that that's pretty much what i want to know are you talking about your house okay i understand are you talking about your vehicle okay i understand but are you talking about humans too <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know just the the, the whole idea of anarcho-capitalism which which is what what propertarianism breaks down to is is that nothing is controlled by the government they're literally advocating trying to get rid of of monopoly laws mm. basically saying that if a company is good enough to have a monopoly then they should 
<laughs> so, like, so pretty like, much no. are they for facebook and twitter and stuff censoring everybody is that what they're for or? see that's that's exactly the questions you got to ask and in every political philosophy you have to have a line somewhere and these extremist ones the far right the far left propertarianism they all do the same thing they're like nope our way of the highway fuck off you know <laughs> no no guys there's, there's got to be some like semblance of of brain cells somewhere rattling around in there <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I think it's like with everybody, you have to like, the, the, the thing is, is that when it comes to politics, and this is where a lot of people kind of, there's some people that should really, 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 really think about what they're, they're supporting, because that's the thing that I did last year. And this is where I fucked up. In 2016, I fucked up. And then to, and to, in last year, I fucked up again. It made me realize that politics is not as easy as I made out to be because I believe that people vote on emotions. And yep. and I think that mainstream media and stuff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they succeeded in knowing that. You know what I mean? Like Biden or Trump, that's all we have. I'm voting third party because I, I'm a dick. That's pretty much, I'm just so Are sick Are you of, really? <laughs> I'm so sick of everybody's shit. <laughs> really, I'm, so, I'm, I'm like, you're, I'm like, oh, fuck both of you. Who do you, you, know? who do you like? Like, who's who's uh, who's a candidate you like? The candidate, the candidate that I like, I've got, it was the, I've got his name. I should, Jacob Hornberger? I think that's what it is. His name. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it before. I'm not super familiar, though. I think I, I let me he's one he's one of the libertarians right yeah the one of the libertarians and he's a pretty cool dude he's like hella short he looks like a doctor and you know like <laughs> in in 2012 i voted for ron paul because i i vote my first wow. yeah my, okay. the, my first president that i i ever voted for was obama and then after a while i start to see like the the identity politics did you notice somewhere around there like in 2008 when he became president it, it, the identity politics started to be kind of aggressive more aggressive you know what I mean? Like, I don't know yeah. if I, I don't know if you saw it, but I did. And like, it it's was. Certain, it certainly seems that way. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like it totally backfired, you know, because I really liked Obama when, when he was first running. Isn't you know, he charming? He, he was charming. Yeah. He, a very, very charming candidate. Good looking guy. Very well spoken. He seems to, to, to think, you know, think things through and, and like, okay, here's a, here's a quick anecdote. So have you ever seen Doctor Who? No, I didn't watch Doctor. How nerdy are you, man? I was. Oh, dude, I'm I'm pretty nerdy, man. I'm I'm out there, but so there was there was an episode right. I think when he was, I don't remember if it was his first term or second term. It doesn't matter. But yeah. Doctor Who is is you know it's it's uh, it's in the UK, and what I noticed is that there were posters in the show of Doctor Who. There were posters of Obama with the word hope underneath of it, which was kind of his his thing. Right. It was all over the place. And they were they were legitimately projecting this guy as if he was gonna if he was gonna, you know, save the world from from racial tension and, and from various things. And and I was kind of on board with that too. I'm like, hey, you know, here's a, a smart and capable guy who's 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 genuinely trying to do what's best. And yeah, maybe I don't agree with, with a lot of a lot of his um, policy prescriptions, which I th should have thought more about. But but yeah, it's and then and then after after he gets elected and of course you can't put all of this at the feet of of one person. Cause I, I don't know if you're aware or if other people are aware, but the president is not the only position in, in the government. Right. <laughs> so, right. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, things certainly did seem to get seem to get a lot uh, a lot worse for sure. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what what caused that exactly, but I, I would say that that his his. 
his candidacy and presidency was was probably a catalyst. Critical um, race I'm, theory. Critical, critical race theory. Race theory. <laughs> That's pretty much what what we're seeing today. And I I, I did. Oh my god, I should ask you. We were friends for like a long time. Well, not a long time, but friends for two friends for two years. And I was talking about mm-hmm. the American Guards. I was saying the American Guards to compare them to the the Maoist version, and uh, it was very interesting topic that I got into. And it was, I honestly, so this is what's going to happen, guys. This is my theory, and JD, you can have your theory uh, as well. This is what's going to happen. Into well, not going going to happen. This is just a theoretical kind of guess that I'm going to say to you guys. What's going to happen after the 2020 election? That's going that's coming up between Grandpa Biden and Grandpa Trump, right? <laughs> so you you know, before Cre- I begin, creepy <laughs> creepy Uncle Biden and creepy Uncle Trump. Let's, you you, let's, you let's remember <laughs> you remember you remember the the Family Guy episode where the, he, Herbert fought the Nazi. That's that's pretty much what I see. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> so, but th- to see the two, I this is what's going to happen. Both of them are not going to believe the results of the election. So it's going to the delay. It's going to be a while. And let alone everything is on fire. We have the rioting, the looting. We have Antifa. We have the Proud Boys going at each other. So it's going to be like a war between the right and left, which is kind of, I think, let them bring it out in their system a little bit. That's what I said. I'm a mom. So I let, every, like, when my nieces fight, I let them fight it off bring it out go ahead beat the crap out of each sure. other maybe you guys you guys will enjoy it I'm, I'm trying to make them realize that you know punching that person in the face is just going to release the aggression but it's not going to solve the issue that you guys have in hand to hand you know what i mean mm-hmm. so what's going to happen is the left is going to attack themselves they're starting to do it already this yep. happened the same thing in maoist china it's the same thing that's going to happen. It's going to happen oh. again with Pol Pot. Pol Pot attacked the Vietnamese, his friend, his side. That's what's going to happen. And then the, I, I don't know about how the Chinese government and the Russian government, the, the Soviet Union during that period of time, but they always end up killing each other. So a lot of people on the right are concerned about a critical race there, which they have... The right to, you know what I mean? Because cr- critical race theory is a very dangerous ideology yep. because of the fact that they use a hierarchy of race. So JD will be at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Which I, I deserve to be at the bottom no matter what theory you're using. But yeah. He was like, I don't know about you girls, but I like being on the bottom. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm just saying, girls. But um, I'm, I'm just I'm just happy to be involved. That's all. <laughs> and so it's 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 pretty much like the hierarchies. They're doing the same thing. Does that make sense? They're doing the same thing that that. So critical race theory. If you are a brown person or a tan person, just like me, then you are on top of the hierarchy. And if you are a white cis male like JD, you're at the bottom of the hierarchy. So. The, the the problem that I have with critical race theory is, is the fact that these people don't understand human history. Uh, human history, we have been fucking each other up since, for, since the beginning of time. That's what we do. That's what humans do. And if you guys watch Star Trek, which I'm a fan, by the way, I know JD, I was making fun of you being a nerd, but I'm a nerd too. I love Star Trek. <laughs> so I watch all Star Trek. All of it. I'm talking about the movies. I'm talking about the animation. I'm talking about the series. Even Voyager, The Next Generation, even Star Trek, the original series. I watch all of it. And if you nice. guys don't notice about Star Trek, 
Okay, a lot of people, especially like the communists, the anarcho-communists, they're like, oh, I want a world like Star Trek. It proves to me that you haven't watched Star Trek. So in the yes. in, in the series, I, I see where you're going with this. <laughs> in the series, I don't know if you guys know this, but we involved ourselves in wars we shouldn't even be in. Right. So the Endorian and the Vulcans are at war in the Enterprise, the 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 one that's that's pretty much the starting point of Star Trek. So the Endorians and the Vulcans were at war. And then what is the, the Prime Directive, for example, is another one. Kirk has always violated the Prime Directive. Always. <laughs> he goes and he fucks with other people. That <laughs> I love how nerdy this is getting. This is great. And so, and and let alone the the whole entire thing. So, in in uh, Deep Space Nine, we had a war. Now, when I say we, I'm talking about humans. We had. I don't know how long the war lasted, but Cisco, Captain Cisco, assassinated a Romulan senator. Just to get the Romulan involved in the war. So we're doing the same shit. <laughs> we're doing the same thing. <laughs> what we do to each other out in space. It's the same thing. So this is why it pisses me off. I don't know what do does with you, JD. But it makes me angry when I hear the fucking communists say, I want a war like Star Trek. Well, obviously, you haven't watched it. You only watch <laughs> you, you watch the next generation. You're like, I think I know what I'm talking about. Because you absolutely do not. Because... It's just, we, we will always do the same thing to each other. This is why critical race theory is absolute shit. Because it doesn't make any sense. Because they don't understand human nature. We're very sketchy as a species. So. It's 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 kind of funny. Because I would say if, if you want to even uh, talk about this without getting into geopolitical politics, you know, across the world. Yeah. If you just want to focus on the United States. Uh, and specifically how people attack things socially. If, if you want to consider what's the, 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 how do I say it? If you want to consider all the polarization happening in the United States as a, as a sort of a war, exactly the same thing that you're talking about is happening, right? Right. Like it, it's, it started out as, as uh, right versus left. It's always kind of been one side versus the other side a little bit. I think that's kind of right. built into human nature. I get it. You know, and then there was, in my opinion, and in the opinion of lots of other people, like you pointed out on the Unity 2020 site, a growing center of people who basically don't want to be involved in the extremist politics of the right and left. And then in the last couple of years, those people have started being attacked as well, you know, with with picket signs and things like that saying silence is violence. So it's like basically the the they're bringing in all of these. They're, they're trying to bring Switzerland into World War Two. They're trying to say, OK, OK, guys, like, all right, you you doesn't matter what your thoughts are. It doesn't matter what your reasoning is. But if you don't want to be involved, you're also the bad guy. Right. Because you're not on my side. You it's know? like, like, can I just enjoy my fucking chocolate? <laughs> the, the people in Switzerland, can I just, can I just enjoy my hot cocoa, please, for the love of God? Let me hey man, we got, we got our money, we got our chocolate. Just let us <laughs> chill on the beaches, man. <laughs> you know what I heard though? Like the, uh, I know this is gonna be off topic, guys, but you know that Switz, sw the the Switz or whatever they are, they the love, Swiss. they love, 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 love their tan women. <laughs> So. <laughs> don't we all <laughs> it's just, i you know what i did not know that until i was like in a conversation he was like this random person and i was talking about like i get like random dms and stuff like that so it's pretty common for women to to get that i don't know about dudes but women get that and this guy was from switzerland and he was like i really like your skin color i was like 
you guys that's don't... a weird thing to say <laughs> i was like do you guys do you guys don't have people like me over there or what <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Is it that white? <laughs> and so going back to critical race theory, we have to understand that not all white people are the same. So uh, JD, when your your last name Wyatt, what is that like from uh, so Wyatt is Irish, but uh, ah, this is why I like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as my background, I'm I'm a, a typical mutt of of you know Western European heritage. Nothing too special about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like uh, when you put, I don't know. I just think it's I think it's just racist to me putting all white people together. Am, am I wrong about that? Like when I hear the terminology, terminology, terminology like blackness and whiteness, I feel like ooh, like well, like, it, you know, it started out with with a term reverse racism, which has always been a confusing term for me. I'm like, what, what do you mean reverse? It, it's either racism or it's not, right? <laughs> But but I, I don't even want to focus on on whether it's racist to to group all white people into a category. Right. Uh, it, it's it's racist to group anybody into a category based based on race. You know, right. it, it just is like whether whether it benefits them or whether it it uh, hurts them. It's 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 still racist. It's still prejudice based on, you know, the amount of, of uh, melanin in a person's skin. It's just silly. It's, yeah. it's nonsense. <laughs> exactly. So the thing is, too, like when we talk about the Russians, for example. So mm -hmm. there are Asians in Russia, too. I don't know if anybody knows yeah. that. There's Eurasia. Well, Russia is Asian. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. But hey, can I, can I say something? So so Thomas Sowell, right? I love Thomas Sowell. You Me know too. about him, right? Me okay, too. Okay, good. So he brought up, you know, the term when talking about... Uh, I, I'm trying on purpose to avoid certain terminology in, in order to you know keep the keep the conversation open so so that's why i'm explaining things rather than using the terms in some cases but anyway so he talked about how how it's racist to to basically include skin color as one of the categories in choosing people for a school right and it's not right he didn't explain it as if it was racist toward white people or racist toward asians and we can get into that if you want but yeah. he explained it as it's racist toward black people it's it's racist toward the ones that they're trying to help it actually hurts them so uh, man, I wish I was a little bit more prepared on, on this topic in particular, but he basically mentioned that people or that, that, that black people who were getting into MIT partially because of the color of their skin tended to to be worse off at that school. You know, they were much more likely to drop out. They were much more likely to fail out of classes. Whereas if they were to go to to a school that was also very, very good, but one tier down, it would be much more likely to help them succeed in the world because they're actually paired with with professors and other students that are that are at the same level as them. So so, uh, you know, allowing something like race to be included as in in a decision to what school you go to, it actually hurts the people who it's trying to help as well as everybody else. It's, yeah. it's it's a it's a bizarre thing and 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 thomas soul is 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 not a guy to be trifled with <laughs> you oh know, my he, god he's so he's, educated and so he used to be a marxist he, yep. he, he's, he yep, always talks about right. that he used to be a marxist and he said the reason why he stopped being a marxist is when he he worked in the public education system he like not public education but the public the public institution and he said that's when he knew that government was not the answer to things because of how crappy things were operating. 
mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And when it comes to race, like I said, we're, we're they're gonna be like, look at this racist. <laughs> when it comes to race, this is this is just me, my my personal opinion coming from my end. I, I like I said, I, I don't speak for all Cambodians, and and I'm just gonna say this right now because I know we know a, a common Cambodian woman. <laughs> She's gonna tell me too, but um, yeah, to, we won't say any names. <laughs> so with with me, I feel like let's put me and JD for example. So I am the working, what somebody say, with the working poor, right? And JD is, he, he's doing really well for himself. So he works for the Navy, has like a contract and stuff like that. So me and JD are different classes, right? Now, is JD or Jesse oppressing me because of the decisions that he made? to put him in the position that he is and not my fault. You know what I think well, that's it is? Not, that's not why I'm yeah. oppressing you, but yeah. <laughs> so, like, so, so like, this is how I see it. This is how I see it. And I'm trying to like put it into words the correct way. I feel like choosing somebody and, and having a quota on race to a university, it's not going to do, do the individual well. It's not going to teach them it's basically pity. I believe that pity is the worst thing you could do to somebody. You're the reason why we chose you. It's not because of your skill. It's not because of your ability of, to do things that we want you to do on the job. We chose you because of your skin color. I don't well, know. Imagine, imagine that, going into a university as somebody who was chosen partially uh, on the basis of their skin color. Imagine what... Um, it's like to feel or what what it feels like to be in a position where the people around you know that yeah right I, I mean want I, that. I would I would hate that if if I was chosen let's say let's say you know I was missing a leg or something right you know and and that's the reason I was cho- I was chosen to get into a school not because of merit not because of how hard I worked not because of how smart I am I would absolutely hate it. I would I would go in there knowing that I'm less capable than than the majority of people in there, and that that the only reason I'm in there is because they pity me. Like that that I I just I can't imagine what it what it would feel like to you know to be in that position. Right. Yeah. So like with the and going back to my my documentary a day. So I was watching the the Navy. And how these men train, right? So the Navy is is very hard. Not Navy. I'm sorry. Navy SEAL. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the Navy SEAL, it's really hard to get into. And <laughs> I'm going to make a joke real quick. So I was watching this documentary on these Navy SEALs. And they were like working really hard. I'm like, I'm the person like, yeah, equality for women. Hey, yeah. <laughs> by the way, just just so you know, I was I was in Naval Special Warfare for four years. So nice. I worked with the Navy SEALs directly for four nice. years. Nice. And they were hot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry to interrupt. So I'm like watching this, watching these guys like working really hard and they wake, they're very, it's very hard to get, like, what's the graduation rate between like, like how Uh, hard? My understanding is, is that the, well, so, okay, there's, there's a couple of of ways of, of, of looking at it. So first of all, nobody is chosen to, to become a Navy SEAL who, who doesn't opt into it, first of all. Right. So, so you have to want it in order to, to have an opportunity to do it. In addition to that, you you also basically you have to be smarter than average. Right. Um, you have to be way more in shape than average, and the, these are all these are all testable. You know, the, the, you have to go through a series of tests in order to right. be accepted to train to become a Navy SEAL. 
So that already eliminates the the vast majority of, of people in, in the Navy of ever having that possibility. Right. And then of the of the people who actually get in to, to do the training to become a Navy SEAL, if I remember correctly, and I you'll probably look it up, but if I remember correctly, there's only about 5% of the people who, who go through or who begin the training who actually complete the training. So it's, 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 it's no joke. Um, right. And, and uh, where, where I worked in Coronado, that's where they do the Navy SEAL training. So I, I was, I, you know, I, I didn't go through it. I'm not smart enough or, you know, physically fit enough to, to be able to do that. I was just their nerd doing, doing some <laughs> stuff for them on the side. He's, he's like, I'm just, a nerd. I'm just a nerd that hangs out, hangs out with the core people. <laughs> But but I'll I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you a couple examples of of like how difficult it is just to be them. So there's this thing in Coronado at at the at this base. It's uh they they call it the the demolition run, right? Yeah. And the uh, or the demo run and the demolition run is is basically a run on dry sand to the demo pit where they where they set off grenades and various you know various things like that, and. You know, it's it's difficult enough to run in hot weather on hot sand. Yeah. It's even more difficult to run on dry sand. And and wet sand is 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 compact. It's basically like running on concrete. It's it's the same thing as running anywhere. But in dry sand, every single step you take, you're pushing the sand backwards. You're losing all of your momentum. So it's a couple of miles there and a couple of miles back. And I've actually done this run several times myself. Right. And it is absolutely, it's it's horrifyingly difficult. It's so difficult. <laughs> me, me personally, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I hated running, and you know, any time, any time I tried to keep up with these badass motherfuckers, I was yeah. I was left in the dirt. And that was as a guy, I was in really good shape back in the day. Like my best mile time when I was in the Navy was four minutes and twenty seven seconds. So nice. I was I was in very good shape. And those guys left me in the dirt a hundred percent of the time. I, yeah. I was just <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they are some badass motherfuckers. Yeah. And so I'm I'm looking at uh, so I did a Jamie again. And it says, Navy SEAL training is extremely demanding. It is not designed to get you in shape. You must be in excellent physical condition and pass the PST. What is that? The PST? Physical something. I can't remember. It's been yeah. a while, but so, it's a physical test. Yeah. Before you can be considered a SEAL candidate. for So pretty much the fitness. Okay. So the physical screening, you have to swim 500 yard breasts or size stroke in less than... I guess the optimum that they're looking for, it's nine minutes and 30 seconds. Push-ups in two minutes, the optimum that they're looking for is about 100. And then the sit-ups sit-ups in two minutes, the average is 50, but they want 100. Uh, pull-ups, no time limit, and then they ru- and run 1.5 miles. Jesus. <laughs> That's See, a lot of people are like, the, the, the people that think they're cool playing Call of Duty, they're like, yeah, I could do that. No, it's it's really demanding. So, yeah, I, I have to say about those standards, those are the absolute minimums. Right? Yeah, I can't. Those do are that. the minimums, right? So, so if you want to actually graduate a Navy SEAL, like, yeah, you have to pass the minimums, but, but, like, for example, the mile and a half run that they have to do in ten minutes and thirty seconds. Yeah. If you run a ten minutes and thirty second uh, uh, mile and a half as a SEAL, you will fail out a hundred percent. You 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 have to be closer to eight minutes or seven and a half minutes in order to. To succeed as a seal right and so going back to women and men let's talk about the two i wouldn't 
want you remember the Joe Rogan joke about the the about Obama when the 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 guy run up with guns into the White House and they put the chick in the front of the the guarding of the White House and they got in. Look, ladies, okay, we are not built like dudes, okay. So going to connecting that to the Navy, I will want the best of the best to go and execute a terrorist. Okay, I don't want a cute e-girl going <laughs> during the execution. And you know yeah. what I think it is? I think I think people can't handle knowing that they're not the best. Does that make sense? Maybe it's our narcissistic society or our culture that makes well, there's us... A, there's, there's actually a lot of other um, considerations that go into this too. Like, you know, for the longest time, women weren't allowed basically on the front lines and I'm not saying that I agree with that or disagree with that. In general, I, I think it's best if people have equal opportunities um, across the board. But that's not the only consideration when, when you're talking about Navy SEALs and, and other special operations for the other branches. Right. Which, to, to my knowledge, they're, they're, they're still not, not allowed to have, to, to have women in there. Right. But some of the other considerations are, are facilities, things like that. If you have just men in, in a certain place, or just women for that matter then that's that's half of the required you know facilities that's uh that's <laughs> you know what i mean there there's there's a money thing to it there's a there's a morale thing to it men and women typically you know think a little bit differently than each other right so like for me personally if if i were making the decision to allow women into the into the seals uh, i would say uh, hey if you can do it you can do it however i would i would make uh, seal teams that consist completely of women and other SEAL teams that, that consist completely of men right. in order to, to take advantage of, of the, the, you know, the, what, what they're trying to do by separating it anyway. So I'm, I'm not opposed to having uh, to women do that if they're capable and if they want to. Right. But, but you got to consider the, the other implications as well. Right. So, so like w with me, going back to the Spartans. So what they did was that the women pretty much ate the same way as the men. So how I see it is that maybe I'm, I'm going to sound like a, I'm going to sound a little weird, but if you train both men and women in warfare, it will be a lot safer because you know that when you go to the village, for example, like pretend we're living in the, I guess, the cavemen and women, right? If you're training these people just focus on the men and feeding only the men, then what about your offspring? You're, you're going to have to feed your women too. So pretty much how I see it is just like you said, I think there's going to be, there should be a separate test between the two. Because if you have a woman training guidelines for a man, it's not going to, it's not going to be the same. You know what I mean? Like we're not built yeah. the same way. Women have boobs, right? And so <laughs> we have to be concerned about that. And if, like you said, if she says, yes, I'm going to risk going to war at the front lines, which is pretty common in Israel and stuff like that. They have women who are in military, women who are and snipers. And they're hot too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know, right? Have you have you seen those? Have you mm -hmm. seen those floating around online? Oh my, oh my god! god. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were like, we're gonna go to Israel and we're gonna start some shit so we can get our ass beat. <laughs> so, but how I so a lot of women do participate in war. I don't know why these modern feminists that we see today. So when I talk about modern feminists, I'm talking about the fourth wave. I'm not talking about the first, the second, not even the third. I'm talking about the fourth wave is that they always make women very fragile when I don't have that opinion at all about women because I've heard about women snipers. 
I've heard about women who drove tanks. I've in in during the Vietnam War, they had Vietnamese young Vietnamese girls shooting down American airplanes from from the fields, from pretty much not from the fields, but from from the bottom of the ground. So, to me, I I I honestly believe that I blame everything on critical race theory and feminist critical. I think it's called like i don't know what it is it's it's pretty much feminism queer theory feminist theory and stuff all these shitty ass ideas that are it's it's blurring the reality of the world because i i honestly believe that i think one of the one of the um one of the big things that that people fail to differentiate between or 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 they they conflate the two is equity versus equality Right. right And so, so, you know, I'm obviously a huge proponent of, of, of equality, you know, equality of opportunities specifically rather than equality of, of outcome. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's what equity is. So a lot of the times, you know, you look at, at critical race theory and, and the, uh, the policy prescriptions that they, that they put forward, it's all based on quality of outcome, on equality of outcome. So, so if for some reason there is a disparity between men and women, or if there's a disparity between, you know, Asians and, and Native Americans, then they, they have to do something to, to bridge the gap. It's, it's, it's an assumption that that the reason that there's a disparity is because of racism or because of sexism or 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 whatever but i i would say if you give people the same opportunities which i think the united states does a pretty damn good job of doing right then there those those disparities are 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 going to to happen i i don't think that that equality of outcome is is something that's that's important and and beyond that you know if you go back to daddy peterson (laughs) He's, he, he, you know, he, he says the same thing and he goes one step further and says, if your goal, he says it's, it's, it's absolutely destructive and evil to, to try to have equality of outcome because what that turns into is everybody is equally poor and everybody is equally in a horrible, horrible position. You know, (laughs) I don't care if there are billionaires out there. I don't care. Right. In, in general, I don't care if there's people out there that are that are doing better than than I am. I care about about, you know, bringing bringing poor people out of poverty as much as possible. And if doing that means that there's going to be more billionaires also, then so what? Like Andrew the- Yang, for example. Right. You know, Andrew Yang, he brought in like the 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 idea of like UBI. And of course, we, we yeah. haven't I talk about UBI a lot. Uh, I talk about it with Connor. I talk about it with my friend Isaac. You know, we pretty much break everything down. And these guys are like center right politically. To me, I, well, Andrew Yang is is he's 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 pretty staunchly on the left. But the way that he thinks and the the ideas that he has that he has are are really different than than what the typical left thinks nowadays. You know what? I, I, and I said this before. I said that Andrew Yang is if Andrew Yang brings the foundation of the new left, I go, it's going to beat the right. Because to me, I yes, believe that the I right, agree. they're stuck in like, I don't know what they're stuck in, like like nuclear energy. So uh, me and JD, we're not going to break out, break down nuclear energy right now. <laughs> it's very complicated. But Andrew Yang is bringing like a new, it's pretty much composed of capitalism, but like a new version of it. If that makes sense, like I can't really explain it. Like he's he's thinking about like the future. He's like a futuristic left. 
You know what I mean? Well, and and UBI is is like the perfect example of of the way that this guy thinks. Because as much as I disagree with that, mm-hmm. it's really good in comparison to uh, to to what's being pushed by the left or the right nowadays. Right? They want um, communism. So, like what? Didn't he try that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like- so what what UBI does is first of all, it it limits the amount of control that the government will have. Believe it or not, despite the fact that the government will literally be redistributing wealth. It limits the amount of of control that they have, right? So, so right now you've got all of these different types types of an entitlement programs for for people, especially you know lower class folks. And and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. But what what his policy does is it says, okay, if you want to opt into this program, which is it is an opt in, by the way. That's that's what he says. It's not mandatory UBI for everybody. You can turn it down if you want. You can keep the benefits that you have if you want. However. If you choose to opt into it, he's not going to tell you what to do with it. It's not food stamps. You know, right. it's it's not like you get here's two hundred dollars you get for this month and you get to go to the grocery store and five percent of the items on the shelves are, are WIC items and you have to choose those specifically. You know, it, it, there's there's just so much bureaucracy that, that that goes into making even those types of small decisions. And I can I can absolutely attest to that having worked for the government for the last 10 years. Right. But his it just basically says, OK. Here's two grand. Do whatever you want. Right. And it, I, I don't particularly like that, but I love the way that he thinks about it. It's it's a it's a it's a it's truly a left wing a left leaning libertarian approach right. to to bringing people out of poverty. Exactly. And he's not fear mongering either. He's not That's everything, right. like everything is like it's going to be destroyed. Oh my god. And he is in Unity twenty twenty the pick, and I think he supports it. I'm not really sure because I think he was with. So Eric? he was he was yeah he was one of the front runners the the people that were actually chosen were were Dan Crenshaw and, and Tulsi Gabbard I think he was second or third on the list but mm-hmm. he was he was definitely up there yeah and so going back to what we're talking about we me and Jesse we totally understand the incompetence we we totally understand that the capitalism quote unquote that we see today it, we understand the corruption we see it and that's pretty much we. We are in a society that favors corruption or incompetence because the fact that, you know, social media and the sens- the sens- sensationalism of mainstream media has has made it like that. But however, we don't go automatically to the left and kill you guys. <laughs> we need Elon Musk. We need Andrew yes. Yang. We need people like, you know, Jesse and stuff to, to succeed as well because they're giving back to society. We need people like, you know, if like, for example, I want I always want to be like a podcaster. That's entertainment. Entertainment is very important for society as well. And so we need yeah. these people to succeed. So when you bring dumbass things like critical race theory, what it does is, is that you are actually hurting the people that you're supposed to protect. If that makes sense. You That's are right. really, really screwing everybody else over because of a certain group. And going back to Star Trek, right? The needs of the many outweighs the needs of the few, according to the Vulcans, right? <laughs> JD's like, look at this nerd. <laughs> yeah. So this is where we are going. So we are, we do have a series on foul called The Wisdom of Star Trek. So that we're going to be breaking down Star Trek philosophy as much as we can so people can understand Star Trek. And I know a lot of people like Star Trek. That's kind of stupid, but it's a lot of interesting philosophy in there and talking about like the different species go ahead i gotta ask 
there is a new Star Trek series going on that, that just came out. Are you aware of this? Are you talking about that dumbass cartoon? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm talking about a really good one. It's called Star Trek Picard. And mm. it's on uh, it's on HBO. There's one season of it right now. And it actually has uh, what, what's I can't remember what the actor's name who played Picard is. Uh, um, um, oh, Sir Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart, thank yes. you. Yes, uh, yeah. yeah. So he's he's actually in it, and he's 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 the star of the show. So if you haven't seen that one, if you get the opportunity, go check it out. It's 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 pretty amazing. <laughs> right. And so when you're talking about Star Trek, going back to pretty much critical race theory and stuff, you guys notice that they have a hierarchy system as well. No matter what you do, just like Daddy Peterson said, there's always going to be a hierarchical structure. No matter what you do. And yep. Captain Janeway was pretty much the first female captain that they were like, oh, first female captain. But in, I forgot the, the Star Trek, I forgot what it was, the other one where they had an Asian captain, but nobody talked about the Asian captain at all because it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like, it's just, I, I like I said, critical race theory and, and just critical theory in general just really screwed everybody up because everything leaks, everything from the university, university leaks into the culture. And mm -hmm. so it's really like, destructive to the american society and it just like screwed everything up and star trek the franchise is good and i i hope picard that series is really good because i watch all the series and uh, to 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 pretty much bring everything all in together we totally uh understand unity 2020 and that's what brett is trying to do is trying to take the right and the left because we are a system of two the universe is, is consist of chaos and order and just like my symbol of the yin and yang th that's pretty much the the pretty much the equation for the universe in total everything requires chaos and everything requires order and if you mm -hmm. have too much of everything it's going to be very destructive we don't want an authoritarian right we don't want authoritarian left wing either so what Unity yeah. 2020 does is it takes everything together, the yin and the yang together and put them in two because you don't, you need sunlight when there's darkness and you need, I forgot what I was about to say. Oh yeah. So you need light, you need darkness. You, it's pretty much the combination of two and Absolutely. balance of life. Yeah. And that's pretty much what the, pretty much what the Chinese philosophy was trying to say, and I, I believe, like in in America, I, I I feel like we forget that portion of of us, and even within ourselves, like Carl Jung, we're going to talk about psychology a lot of the feminine and the masculine, and people think masculine man as in general, which is which makes sense, but we all have that within us. You know, JD told me earlier that he gets along with a lot of females, right? That's the his feminine side. He's, he has a strong feminine side, which is not a bad thing. I have a strong masculine side, right? Which is not a bad thing. It's everybody consists of two, no matter what. And we don't like it or not. And this is when it comes to like politics. When you break it down, you see the mess that you see today. Two sides, populism and control of our politics yep. in this yeah, you, world. You've gotta have you've gotta have a combination of both and not a choice between one or the other, which is what's happening more and more in in, in, in the US, you know? Yeah. So if I don't know about you, but are you ready for a civil war? God, you know, that that's that's the thing. I was going to mention this earlier. I think there is an event horizon. And I think what's past that event horizon is a civil war. I think that's that's the possible logical extreme of, of, of what's happening right now. 
And I, I, I think that that event horizon will be, it's not something we've reached yet. I don't think that we're do, we're doomed for civil war right now. However, if there is a certain type of event that happens, I think that that's, that's very possible. Yeah. And the thing that scares me is I think, however small this possibility is, I think the, that this election, you know, like you mentioned, both of them are going to <laughs> are, are are going to disagree with the results of the election based on you know what 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 the results are yeah that that scares me that that could possibly be it god i hope not yeah, um, well I, like i said i like let them slaughter each other and let the people that's going to be i'm not saying go and shoot each other in the face that's not what i'm saying but what i'm pretty much saying is that maybe that's what we need a more like a, a destruction for a new uh, rebirth of our society, the American society. Maybe that's what we we need. I'm not saying I shouldn't say that. I'm not saying <laughs> go kill each other, guys. That's not what I'm saying. But bringing out the aggression out because for some odd reason, even after Civil War, you know, people start to understand each other a little bit more. And I don't know. It's a rebirth of the American society. Maybe I just a, a revolution, a new America that's going to be born after 2020. So yeah. Well, and, and, and that's that's kind of the, the IDW. The reason it exists in the first place is because left-wing people who were basically the formation of the IDW, the vast majority of them are left-leaning, they kind of got sick of their own party. And they're like, okay, guys, let's sit down and, and, and actually, you know, think about this stuff rather than, than eating ourselves. Right. <laughs> you know, so I think I think that, that yeah, it, it, God forbid this, uh, this event horizon happens, but the thing that is going to keep it from happening is reasonable people on the right and the left leaving their own parties in pursuit of something better. Right. And right. something better doesn't necessarily mean a third party. It means a combination of, of, you know, what, what each 50% of the population wants. Right. And that's what, you know, tying it all back into unity. That's what unity is. Mm -hmm. So okay. we are just praying for a groundswell. And, and I promise you, there's a couple thousand of us that are working our asses off in order to, to, to make this thing a reality. Right. I, I, I honestly don't think that it's, uh, it's going to be, uh, maybe I'll get shot for saying this. I, I don't think that you it's reasonable. <laughs> to, I don't think it's reasonable to say that, that Tulsi and, and Dan Crenshaw are going to win this election. But I just hope that it, it garners enough support and and shows people that there is an alternative that's that's not, you know, Jill Stein from the Green Party that wants to spend, you know, tens of trillions of dollars in order to right. <laughs> to, to, to fix the environment or 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 crazy right right leaning libertarians that want to issue thermonuclear missiles to, to, to everybody <laughs> on their 16th birthday, you know. <laughs> Like there it's is like, an whoa, alternative. That's whoa, not... whoa, whoa, wait a minute! <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just, oh my goodness, gracious! So I really hope you guys really enjoyed this conversation, and I'm going to link Jesse's information down below. So before we go, Jesse, anything you'd like to say before we sign off? Yeah, I, I, I just want to reiterate, you know, kind of the first one of the first things we talked about is I, I think it's so much more important to change the way that you think about things rather than change the, the, the things that you think, you know, if, if you can, if you can, if you can look at at each one of these situations, not as something that you agree with or disagree with, but as as, as an opportunity to to learn more about yourself as why you, you agree or disagree with that, that, you know, we're, we're just going to do better as a nation. Yeah. So, yeah. So I hope that, it. you know, we don't 
we don't see each other in the battlefield. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm the type of person that's gonna let them beat themselves up, and then I'm just gonna take their shit. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be, you're gonna riot and loot. <laughs> so I hope you guys really enjoyed this conversation. As always, guys, stay far out. Bye. <laughs>